that's out there. That's why I'm a girl. Howdy, y'all, and welcome back to Wild Dream, where we give you the freshest takes on the latest movies. Dana, what movie did we just see? Well, if you'd believe it, we just saw Vengeance. That's right, Vengeance. We also saw a movie. (laughs) That's Texas Justice for you. Well, if you don't know, Vengeance is a Texas movie. That's right. It may be uh, that uh, city slicker B.J. Novak's uh, directorial debut, but it is a Texas movie whether you like it or not. And what it's all about is a gentleman from New York City who is a writer and a wannabe podcaster. Sound familiar? And (laughs) yeah, we're doing a movie podcast about a podcast movie. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I mean, that's, um, you know, he tried to wants to be a podcaster. Gets a random call that uh, his girlfriend passed away. He has no idea what they're talking about. He's like, "Mm, I don't have a girlfriend because I'm from New York and I just like sleep around because like that's what everyone does in New York. And he goes down to Texas because a family of the girl who passes away believes that he is her boyfriend and that she's in love with him and is obsessed with him. And so he goes down there and they're like, hey, she didn't die of an overdose like they said they did. She was murdered and we're going to get vengeance for her. And he's like, you know what? I'm down if I can record it for my podcast. And we were like. Same. So (laughs) he stays there. And before we go into spoiler territory, uh, we'll give a couple of notes here. Um, uh, A couple of things I want to say is I I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I did not know that it was going to be so well written and so, you know, well put together. There's nothing about it other than the writing that I would say is spectacular. I, I don't want, you know, the videography is not amazing. Like, like I the, thought the location was goddamn spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought the settings were really well done. The Not all of the accents were totally accurate, the Texas accents that we're used to. Um, and, you know, the acting was pretty okay. It wasn't amazing, but it wasn't, you know, horrible. So... But overall, I think that the most, the thing that made me enjoy the movie the most was the story itself. It was very engaging and interesting and a little bit like, um, like a murder mystery in a way. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was a very charming movie. I think it had a lot of charm to it. I thought it was relatable for both sides, whether you're, you know, from Texas and you get all the references or if, you know, you're just an outsider in a culture that you're not used to and, um, you know, trying to relate to them through your own lens, but finding that middle ground and appreciating something that maybe you're not always so supportive of because of the little kind of crevices of like, um, actual good things that come out of that. Um, so yeah, and I I agree with you on the story. I thought it was an interesting concept. Okay. Like I'm going to go check out this world that I am not a part of and I never wanted to be a part of just, you know, just for my own personal gain, but, you know, maybe I'll find something out of it for myself. You know, it's a kind of a, uh, it's not like a new story necessarily when you boil it down to that, but uh, because of the characters and the setting and stuff, it really did kind of come together for me to make it an enjoyable watch. Honestly, it felt as short as it was. I mean, it's a, 
what every movie should be about an hour and 30 minutes. So, right. and it felt that way. It was, it didn't, you know, linger too much. So yeah. And I agree that the writing was the, for sure. You could tell it was a writer's movie. It was not a filmmaker. It was a writer making a film. So, um, of course there were plenty of, you know, I don't want to say drawbacks or like just complete dips of anything because it's not, it wasn't offensively bad or anything. It just, there was nothing brought to the table, uh, filmmaking wise that made it stand out. Yeah. That's very accurate. Um, so going into spoiler territory, um, you know, big spoiler alert, uh, boycott Alamo draft house. Now, <laughs> Oh boy. I forgot about this. I forgot. Yeah. We did not uh, coordinate very well what was going to happen. We wanted to try a new location uh, for Alamo because we've been trying to figure out which movie pass to get since we're going to be seeing movies every week. It's, you know, makes economic sense to get an unlimited pass somewhere at one of these theaters. So we've been checking out Alamo. We go to try a new location. We didn't coordinate very well. I was supposed to, apparently I was supposed to come pick David up and then go. He thought that, you know, that's what he was under the impression of. I thought we were meeting there. Okay. I get to the theater. I'm like pulling up and Dave is like, dude, I thought you were coming to pick me up. I haven't left the house. He finally, you know, he's like, and now we, we figured out. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So he starts, he, he comes to the, you know, he's like, okay, I'm going to come to the theater. When I'm, I go sit down, my server comes up to me and she is like, uh, Hey, is it just you today? And I was like, no, there's someone, uh, you know, my brother's running a little late. She says, okay, as long as he gets here before the movie starts, he'll be fine. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, we don't let anyone in after the movie starts. We have a very strict, uh, like no late, you know, no late policy. And I was, I'm just so confused. I'm like, what is this? Like, am I going to take a tax test? Like, what are you talking about? Like, like I was just so, I had never heard of this and I've been to Alamo draft house a million times. I've never heard of this. Um, and so she's like, yeah, like we won't let him in. And I'm just like, okay, well, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to order anything then because if he gets here late and y'all don't let him in, then I'm not gonna, you know what I'm saying? Like, so what, I don't want to order anything. And she's like, well, we still need to swipe your card. I'm like, for what? Like, I don't, she's like, well, it's tied to the seat. It's just, just in case I'm like, but I'm telling you, I'm not going to order anything if you don't let him in. But she's like, I'm not, she's essentially saying, I'm not leaving until you let me swipe your credit card for nothing. And I'm like, okay, here. And she swipes it and whatever. And then Dave gets to the theater. Take over. So I arrive to the theater and Daniel texts me. He says, the movie just started. Uh, He texts that to me about mm, 50 seconds before I walked into the theater. And as I'm walking in, I'm like trying to rush to my theater. And they stop me like, what movie are you going to go see? I was like, I'm here to see Vengeance. Like, yeah, that movie's already seated. So you can't go in. I was like, what? They were like, I was like, I was like, it's literally like been like one minute, like, like since the movie started, like my brother's already in there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're like, it's, it, it, you know, it's like, yeah, it's already seated. So you can't go in. Like, we don't allow people coming in late. I was like, like, is this a joke? I said, what if I go to the bathroom and come back into the movie and I'm arriving into the movie? They're like, that's a different thing. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's actually not because it's someone walking into the theater while the movie is playing. So. They were like, and then like some girl like chipes up from the other, you know, the other side. And she was like, it's a corporate policy. We don't make the rules here. They just want us to strictly enforce it. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. You know, I was like, like already upset with myself for like kind of being a dick. But I was just like so confused and so frustrated because I'd already bought tickets. And they were like, 
yeah, we can do something about like a refund if you want. And then so I texted Dan. I was like, hey, they're not going to let me in. And so, you know, he comes to walk out and we, we go and we're like, you know, like telling each other like anything. I'm like, well, you know, we were going to decide whether or not we wanted to get an unlimited pass with, you know, one of these companies. And this pretty much nailed our decision, you know, trash, trash. And it was trash just like, business. Not only that, but it's like, when on, so what we ended up doing is we found another showing that was in 30 minutes at Regal, uh, you know, United Artists in the Pavilion in Denver, you know, beautiful area of Denver. And, you know, we, we wouldn't mind going there. And on the drive there, we're just like, who is this policy for? Yeah, the late policy. Yeah, we were flabbergasted because like, are you bothered as a movie viewer if you are in a theater and someone walks in? While the movie is playing, are you pissed off? Uh, and, like, are you? And, just, and if so, is it okay for you that waiters are coming in and out of exactly. the movie theater at, at nonstop during the movie? Because that's what Alamo Draft House does. Exactly. Is Alamo Draft House trying to, you know, prevent people from buying tickets and not showing up? Well, they gave me a full effing refund. So obviously, there's no one being impacted by this. And like the most frustrating thing about it is when Daniel comes out, he's like. So sorry that would have disturbed the four fucking people in this movie. Yeah, yeah. There was like four people in the theater. So, yeah, I forgot to mention that. But, yeah, I mean, it, no one was even there. I mean, it's a noon showing of an indie film. What, Like, what do you expect? And, like, so they're losing money on this. They just lost tickets. You know, it's not – it's also, like, I know it doesn't really trickle down to him, but that's – dude, BJ Novak made this movie, and this place is, like, kicking us out. You know, not allowing us to see the movie he made. Do you think B.J. Novak would give a shit if we showed up a minute after the, you know, uh, opening scene? Like, no. Like, yeah, it's it's just such a bad anti-movie policy is that they obviously don't care because we know that movie theaters only make their money from the things like concessions. They make a very small percentage on the movie tickets. Right. So, of course, they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. We'll refund the tickets. They don't care at all that they're losing money on the season ticket pass that we would have paid for. They would have gotten a higher percentage of that. They don't care at all that they would have lost money from the concessions of every time that we went. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't give a fuck about all that. It's just like, who is the policy for? You're losing money. The movie you know, makers are losing an audience. And the, no one is fucking affected by this. And if they are, well, then you're not allowed to go to the bathroom because we don't want people to walk in. Well, you're not allowed to have waiters in the fucking theater because we don't want people to walk in. Right. It just makes no sense. And that's another. Yeah, the waiter is now losing a tip. Like they, they could have had two you know, tabs open from both of us and made some money. Exactly. Everyone, Everyone loses. loses with this pot. And this really helped us make a decision. And the other thing is that we had a completely contrasted experience at the United Artists in Denver. But this movie, <laughs> this movie was a good time. Uh, I need, th- we need to get vengeance on Alamo Draft We need to get draft vengeance on Alamo Draft House. There's a lot of really cool points in this movie. If you are from Texas, which, you know, a lot of our friends and friends and family are. Um, you're going to enjoy this movie a lot. And there's a lot of moments where the only people laughing in the theater were me and Daniel. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Because yeah. of, like, all of the, like, like you know, Texas references. So, you know, I think that w- the interesting thing about the movie is that Daniel got to see the first two minutes of the movie because I stood there for a minute, you know, waiting um, before we went to the other one. And he literally tells me, he goes, you're going to, you're going to hate the opening line and the editing at the beginning of this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And immediately I was like, yep, I hate the opening of this movie. Yeah. So yeah, let's go ahead and just get into it. So the, the opening of this movie is a sore thumb in the 
in the movie. Like it just, it sticks out like a sore thumb and it, and it hurts like a sore thumb because it is so different from the rest of the movie. There's no charm. There's what, what it's an opening of two New York guys played by BJ Novak and John Mayer, who is not an actor and not a good one either. Um, just delivering these lines that sound they're supposed to be tongue in cheek. It's supposed to be, look at these two New York douchebags who, you know, just treat people like business. And it, it's, it's supposed to be tongue in cheek and this, and a, a commentary on it, but it comes across as a writer using a character as a mouthpiece for what the writer behind the script wants to say. And, and it's really bad because it's two guys in their forties talking like they are college freshmen. Yeah. Talking, Oh, this girl and this, I have this girl. And so when you're texting a girl is three wise, like you'd you're 40, go to work, <laughs> right. go to work. Stop talking about how many wise I should say in a text message. It was so, it just, it made me cringe so bad. And not only that, but it's like the only information that you get out of that scene is, Oh, he treats women like shit. Exactly. And that's such a good point because you know what else conveys that? Is having him treat a woman like shit. <laughs> what else? Not, not even, you don't even need that. Like what conveys his, because what they're doing is trying to set up his character so that you know what he's like before he goes to Texas where he, where he's obviously not going to fit in it. Well, guess what? Like a guy who shows up in a full suit and AirPods to a Texas funeral. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Like already. Already. And not even just a Texas funeral, a West Texas funeral. A West Texas, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> so you you can just see him showing up and what he's, like, his whole vibe, and you can get that immediately. You don't have to, you don't have to do this whole preamble of, you know, his whole spiel of, of not only talking to John Mayer, but then the following scene of talking to the podcast producer. It's just very, I'm on coke energy. It, yeah, it, it just, it's just very it, Ryan from the office. I know, ironically <laughs> enough, during his right? downfall. So it's it's I don't know, it, but not even it's not even you can't laugh at it as much as you get to laugh at Ryan. Yeah, because it doesn't feel that self awareness does not feel as strong. But yeah, I, that's I mean that's pretty much it. I just because then it gets you know it gets better from there, like a lot better. But it's yeah. just it started off. I'm like, can you imagine if someone would have walked out? After just seeing this clunky, we like I didn't even mention the editing. It, it just the credits. You know, oh my god, yeah, describe bro, the that credits. Day. Like so, they're like trying to do this thing. I don't even know if it's supposed to be artsy or if it's supposed to be like like you know like I don't know. But the decision that was made was that they're talking, just two people standing next to each other, holding a drink on their phones, talking, and then pop up black screen, white text and like freaking times new Roman, like basic ass font name of person. And then they're still talking while that black screen is up. But then that black screen is also a cut in the audio. So then like it cuts to the next, like they're like jump cutting to different audio. And then they, you know, go back to the scene. And I was just like, I was just like, I don't understand any part of like this. I don't understand how anyone watched this and was like, oh, there we go. Nailed it. Right. right. <laughs> and, and I don't think they did. I think that that's what the whole first, you know, couple of scenes that set up the movie felt like. It felt like they put it in last. 
or something like they, you know, the studio was like, I don't, we don't know enough about this character. You need to just, you know, I, I don't know what it was, but it just felt rushed and like almost like templated. I would almost say that they put it in first as in like, we haven't finished the script, but we want to go ahead and start shooting. Maybe. Yeah. The best way I could describe it is that the vibe of that opening scene reminded me so much of like those awful mid to late 2000 uh, romantic comedies like um, he's just not that into you like it's those romantic comedies that again are less about the movie making and more about uh, being a mouthpiece for the writers to go isn't dating hard <laughs> yeah. Ugh. and yeah and, and, and you would love to think like oh this is a satire but of like, you know, New Yorkers and the dating scene, blah, blah. but it also, it didn't come off. Like it kind of came off as like, no, this is what BJ really feels. And this is, <laughs> he just like wants to kind of get it off his chest. He's exactly. Like, yeah. He's like, what is, you know, explore your options. You know, you have to exercise your, your options and again, you, you got to exercise those things. Yeah. Like, again, fuck? I don't want to hear about how a 40 year something year old cannot commit. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that, that like, yeah, like you said, stuck out like a sore yeah, thumb. It started off on a wrong foot. It did. But once you get to the part where he's actually in Texas, you know, I actually think that the first couple of scenes that he spends with the brother tell us more about his character than that opening scene did. Right? Like when he's like sitting there and his so the brother, you know, is like driving with him and he tells him, Oh, well, you know, this wasn't an OD, this was a murder, and we're gonna go get vengeance for her and blah blah. Like he's like <laughs> he says something along the lines of like I, you know, we all, everyone has personal differences, you know, like we like to eat different things, you know, we have boundaries and, you know, some people like certain things and certain don't. And, you know, it's just a thing for me that I don't avenge people's deaths. <laughs> yeah. I don't avenge murders. Yeah. Um, that's just me. That's just how I am. I'm not really big on avenging murders. Like and that, it was, yeah. he wasn't joking. Exactly. He, like he was the, like, this is the best way for me to explain to this guy of all people how I feel about this. Right. You know? And it. That's when I like things started to click right for the movie where it was, oh, OK, like there is humor here. There is good writing starting to show. Yeah, the tone was set. The, yeah, the that. tone was way just it was such a better movie. And it's thankfully it stays that way, you know, all the way till the end. So um, I will say it is funny to me that he gets out of the, the truck to kind of deliberate with the podcast uh, producer hey, is this something, here's my idea. I think I'm going to do it if, if you can green light it. And I just was, I was watching it and I'm sitting there thinking there's zero chance he has cell service out there. Oh, 100%. <laughs> He's like on his AirPods in the mid, I mean, they're not even at the house yet. They are driving on these. On the back roads of yeah. West Texas in the, like out in the back, fields. Back enough roads that he stops and parks in the middle of the road. Yeah. Cause like he knows not, for a fact, yeah. no one is coming exactly. down this road. Like, and I was like, <laughs> but somehow he can call New York with yeah. his AirPods. So, like I was just like, all right. Um, <laughs> but the, what's the funny though, is the other thing about it is that like me coming from like, you know, a film background, I'm like, yeah, no, that's not getting greenlit right then and there. She's like, okay, yeah, I'll take some notes and then I'll discuss with, yeah. with everyone else who's financially involved in, in, you know, green lighting your fucking podcast. Yeah, you know, so I don't know. I, I just thought it was funny in that way too. I was like, okay, yeah, this just she's immediately like, done, make it happen. Well, I'm, I'm gonna just push this. Through. It's like, okay, what the, like, I mean, eventually they they get to the house where he gets to kind of meet the family and, and agrees, like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here, and I'm gonna buy into this. I'm gonna let's do it. Let's say she was murdered. Maybe they have a point, right? And, and he's also let's say she was my girlfriend. You know, because yeah, they still right? think that he is her boyfriend. Yeah, it's just some girl he hooked up with and. 
they were under the impression that they were, you know, in love. Um, and so it's his in, but I, what I love is that he gets, they get to the house to meet the family. And that's when me and Dave were like, Oh my God. Yeah. Texas is now being accurately <laughs> represented the, the decor on the walls. Oh my gosh. The live, laugh, love, the, the just faith in a cursive font yeah, on yeah. like a wood burn <laughs> and, and the absolutely no space on the wall given for anything. If oh there's a space, put a cross there. Yeah. yeah a cross, a trinket, like even yeah, the nightstands have a bunch of stuff on them. The it's just the fridge. This, the fridge was just covered fridge, in yeah. like old like like mix match uh uh magnets and stuff and just like right. old like like bills and coupons like bro this is not the, yeah, the, the dark, we grew up with, like the man. dark wooden table set that they are eating at all this stuff. It's just so Texas. It's the, it reminds me of like growing up and on the family that not, not shall, shall not be named side that decor of that house and that feeling of, I like, that's the vibe I got. I was like, Oh, this is so true to what I grew up, uh, kind of surrounded by, you know, yeah. Where I could almost smell it. It was that like, it was that, you know, it was that good of a representation of and, that vibe. And what was like kind of like, I don't know, I get a little bit like sad, but also a little bit like in our face was um, like when the mom introduces her two daughters, like the other, you know, the two remaining daughters. Um, she's like, oh, this is so and so. She's going to be a famous dancer or singer or whatever she said. And then she's like the other one. She's like, and she's going to be a famous and she's like, I'm just going to be famous. And she's like, yeah, we, you have to be a famous something. We've talked about this. And she's like, famous celebrity. And it's just like, oh, no, that was me and Daniel. We were saying those things back in Texas. We're like, yeah, we're going to be famous one day. So, you know, we got to prepare for when we're famous. Like, and it's just for like, sure. That was something that we we connected to. Right. You're you're you have aspirations. You are in tune with a culture that is not where you're at. They right. don't want to be labor workers. They don't want to follow the family business. They don't want to do any of that stuff. They want to do artistic things and get some kind of recognition and following, you know, hopefully. So, and I think that that's like kind of reminiscent of what we kind of experienced partially because, you know, we were the first generation of our all Texas family to grow up with technology and to be able to see, you know, things that other people are doing in other places that we, you know, aspire to do. I felt like, oh, like, like we'll never be able to do the things that we want to do if we stay here. Like we got to get out, you know? And then it was kind of sad to see because it was like the, like her, like their sister also had dreams. She wanted to be a singer and she was really talented and she went to New York and tried to, you know, do these things. And she comes back to Texas and because she's like kind of falls back into that life, she goes and ODs in the middle of nowhere and dies. And it's like a little bit heartbreaking in that sense when you're like, oh, like they're like they're the same as her sister, you know? Mm-hmm. But then there's a lot of funny parts. So <laughs> when yes, they are yeah. having dinner, so, you know, he tell he tells them the whole thing. He's like, hey, I'm recording a podcast and that's how we're going to we're going to put it out to the world and they're all going to help us find the killer, blah, blah, blah. And the only person in the movie who I felt like had a genuine Texas accent was the grandma. Right. Oh, yeah, it was on point. And to the point of like, there were moments where I was like, I was like looking over my shoulder from, you know, like people I knew, like that's, that's how good it was. And so she like starts telling, she's like, you want to hear a story of Texas? And she starts telling the story of the Alamo and they like, 
bring up, you know, the fact that a lot of people not from Texas don't know that we lost the Alamo. Right. I think it's a good, I think it's a good setting too, because it starts to incorporate the idea of these people are not dumb. Right. They, they're smart in other ways. Like they obviously don't know what a bodega is. Right. But does it make them dumb? No, it just, it, it, it's, it really does incorporate that. It goes, Oh, maybe I, you know, the, I was about to say Ryan's character. Oh my God. (laughs) Maybe BJ, BJ Novak's character, maybe Bojack Horseman's character. (laughs) Uh, I'm just so glad he's acting again. (laughs) He's, he looks so great too. That's uh, okay. I'm out of my element. Maybe I'm not the hot shot here. Maybe I need to take a step back. That, that was a good way to establish that. And because now he has to buy in a little bit more, which, you know, ultimately pays off the more the story goes on. So I thought I was going to also love the line here. Um, I love the line and love the, the, the idea of it that they ask him, what do you think? What do you think of Abilene? That's where they're at. What do you think of, what do you think of Abilene, Texas? And he's like, it's great. And they're like, what do you mean? It's great. There's nothing to do out here. It sucks. Right. Right. And he says, I mean, I guess it is bleak. And they're like, what the hell? Have you seen our football team? <laughs> We're good. Like, yeah, so it's like, you can't win. You can't win. You can't, yeah. you know, but the line that I just loved, um, is he said, this place, you know, is a godforsaken shithole, but I'm never going to leave. Yeah. And BJ no- Novak's character says, yeah, I, that's how I feel about Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. It's such a truth. I, I both statements. I've right. I've delete you know deactivated my account so many times on that app because I'm like this is not good for my health. But it's also again, it's just he's connecting to them. He is understanding what he's saying. He's going, oh, I do know what you mean. It's just you know for an app, but he's but he that he's connecting right. It's yeah. it's already starting to happen. So I I just love that scene. I thought that scene. It's the juxtaposition to the first scene where it's just, oh, here's how you actually get some groundwork. And here's how you start yeah. establishing something. And yeah, it was just that charm started hitting. So yeah, I, I was a really big fan of that. Yeah. You know, my favorite line actually was uh, <laughs> earlier in the movie uh, when the brother calls him for the first time to say, you're, you know, uh, you know, Abby's dead. You got to come down to Texas and blah, blah. You know, he's like trying to remember who this girl is that he hooked up with and where she was from. And he's like, at first he goes, yeah, are you guys uh, near Austin? And the brother goes, no, we're not from Austin. And you're like, okay, you get it. Like, because of who this guy is. And then he goes, Dallas. And he goes, Dallas ain't Texas. And I was like, woo, like, let's go. I've been saying this for years. <laughs> Whatever. And he goes, Houston. And he's like, that's another country. <laughs> and then the best part, the best part, that I was like, this is so Texas. And he's like, he's like, you ever heard of a, a Abilene? And he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah I think, you know, Abilene's like, Abilene's about three hours south of Dallas. He's like, okay. And he's like, we're about five hours south of that. <laughs> right, like, right. Yeah. I was like, yep, that's Texas. <laughs> yeah, we're eight hours away from this thing, but we're still in the same state. Right. Like that's And Texas. we're not even close to the end right. either. <laughs> not even. So that was definitely, that rang very true. Yeah. And so <laughs> that was funny. So, yeah, I mean, and so throughout the movie, what he's doing is he's kind of as he's unfolding the story of what happened to this girl, he is meeting some interesting characters. And so, you know, they have kind of like a montage of him meeting some different people. But then he goes to meet Ashton Kutcher's character, 
who, you know, Ashton Kutcher is a, is a well-known actor. I would never say he's like an amazing actor. I loved his character a lot. It was that, it was that guy who is so pretentious and digs way too deep into the most mundane small things that it borders on that line of ridiculous and genius. <laughs> right. And, it, and like during even like all of the lines that he had, I was like, I wish I didn't think that that was kind of good. <laughs> right. Right. I'm like this guy, this insane guy is making sense to me. So what does that but that's, mean? But you know? he's doing the same for the character for BJ Novak. For sure. Right? Yeah. So like he's doing the same and it's like, and even he like takes a step back and he's like, Oh, like, you're not just full of shit. Like you kind of, you know, like you, you're being genuine, uh, you know, at least in, in, to his interpretation. And so, um, yeah, I just like, I thought that that character was really interesting. And I, I was like, Oh man, like this was just a field day for writers to just make the, like put all of the words together to make a thing. For sure. You know? For like, sure. I think, yeah, that character definitely, uh, again, it is, um, what's the word? Like it's, it is, like I said earlier, where it is a character that the writers are using as a mouthpiece to get some of their thoughts out. But what the reason it lands is because the thoughts that were getting out of that were complete and thought provoking. So it did work. It wasn't, I always think of, I always think of the fucking Joker. I think of that scene where he's like, how do you, how can you tell me what's funny? You don't know what's funny. And it's just, I can hear, you know, Todd Phillips just being like, don't cancel me because I said that, you know, F-A-G in a movie. You know, it's just, he, he's using this character as a mouthpiece and it's like, dude, you're taking away from the movie. But when you do it in a way that can actually add to essentially the theme of the movie, right? Yeah. It, 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 it can work. It can work. Even though it's an offender of something, it can work for it. What's interesting is that the way that they put this together is still like allowing the character to be pretentious, but not allowing the movie to be pretentious. And I think that the way that they do this right. is that they, you know, he says he goes on this like long speech in this like deep, dark tone and he gets real close to the microphone and he does his speech and he ends. And then the girl that he's recording in his uh, you know studio, because he's like a, you know, he's a recording artist like start singing her song and she's like, I got off my shift at Claire's. And we think Taylor's yeah. like, okay. It's like this song is just fucking And you know stupid. what? You know what? But she killed it. I mean. Exactly. You know what? That's the scene of her like singing that song after his whole spiel where he's brought to tears by his own words. <laughs> yeah. Was the epitome of this subplot of surrounding yourself by a culture that you'd look down on and getting something out of it in a positive light because that that scene is exactly that it is she starts singing about getting off her shift at Claire's right it's like it's just like Rebecca Black's Friday I woke up I went to get breakfast or whatever right yeah. it's silly and it's dumb but then I'm starting to get chills yeah as the scene progresses cuz her voice is incredible and it turns its head. It's like it's this silly, mundane thought of I just got off. Imagine singing about your, your your job. I just got off my job at Claire's, but it turns into this weirdly sad, profound story of now I'm off work. I'm sitting on the stairs, and there's no one there to pick me up. 
It's like, yeah. and it, it, when you think of it metaphorically, it just feels, it feels like, okay, there is some kind of emptiness there. And the way that her voice it like is so good and dynamic, more importantly, so dynamic. I was, I had chills, dude, at, yeah. at this girl singing about Claire's. And that's the, that's the same. And so does BJ Nova. That's the. In the movie. That's the equivalent. Equivalent. <laughs> That's the equivalent of the message that I at least interpreted of, okay, I'm, if I'm BJ Novak's character, like I'm, I'm going into this skeptical and like, these guys are pretty dumb and this is silly. And, and then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, they, they have something to say. They, there is something there that I disregarded preemptively. I, I, I don't know. I, I just really liked that scene of the the girl singing and I just, I'm a, I love music. So just, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I mean the movie goes on and, and basically like as he's starting to spend more time with this family, he's starting to experience more of Texas culture and um, you know, like part of the movies that they're trying to um, find, you know, the person who killed her and they think it's this drug dealer who lives in the town um, who they say was like a stalker of, um, of Abby and Sincholo. so Sincholo. And so, um, which by the way, they're just like, it's revealed later that he's like, not really in the Mexican cartel. He kind of thinks that he is, and he doesn't really know anything about it. And they're just like, oh yeah, the one Mexican guy who in town, he's part of the Mexican cartel. Exactly. And like, but what's like interesting is that like in order to catch him, like they go to a rodeo and you know, he's like, this is literally my first rodeo. And it's like, I've never been to a rodeo. Right. I grew up in Texas my whole life. I've never been to one. Shut the front door. Daniel, how many damn rodeos? You, you call yourself how a many, Texan, you never been to a goddamn rodeo. How many damn rodeos you been to? <sighs> None. <Right>. So <laughs> what's interesting is that we're from Dallas, remember? That's not Texas. Exactly. We're from Dallas. That's not <laughs> Texas. <laughs> but even though I have been to the state fair. So when they went to go get the food, I was like, you know, he, they go, he's like, you're going to love this. He's like two deep fried Twinkies. And PJ Novak leans in. He's like, uh, can I get mine grilled? Right. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it, it, it's, it's, it's such a silly joke. It is, but, but it, it, it landed. Works. Yeah, it, works. it landed. And it works even better because then he eats the deep fried Twinkie and he goes, this is fucking amazing. And that again is this repre- representation of Texas that I, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I remember my old friend, uh, I remember him going on this spiel about how much he loves, like, Texas food culture. Because if you want to kill yourself by eating a butter bomb deep fried biscuit, you you can. We'll give it to you. Like that. He he just enjoyed. He, he, I remember him going on this, this whole, like, rant about how that's what America is. It's freedom. It's it's. You can, you're in control of whatever happens to you, bad or good, and we'll give it to you if you want it. And it's just like that his character taking a bite of that, I think reminds him, oh my God, like who cares if it's a grill Twinkie or not? I'm at a fair. Let's have fun for an hour. Right. And <laughs> it's, it, it's, it works so well. That's what I loved about it too, because, you know, there's a lot of things about, you know, the general like Texas culture that, you know, we're not a fan of and that we don't associate with. But what I really liked about that scene was that we always frame Texas fried food in like in when even especially outsiders in the frame of like how disgusting it is and how just oh gross and fat people are and they'll just eat anything blah blah. blah. But it's like when you remember the times where you've had fried bacon or fried Oreos or whatever, 
it's not a food that you just eat. It's part of the experience of being at the state fair or whatever it is. Right. It's part of the community. And like, he's not eating this and going, oh, well, golly, this is y'all eat this. He's like, wow, this is amazing. And they're laughing and smiling. It's like, yeah, it's not a food that they just eat. <laughs> it's a rodeo food. It's something that you you're eat telling me I can't as part get, of the social uh, aspect. You're telling me I can't get a, a deep fried Twinkie meal kit from HelloFresh. I didn't say that. This podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. <laughs> Deep fried Twinkie kits um, coming out tomorrow. You can quote us on that. It ain't it ain't a part of uh, HelloFresh, but if you, hey, if they want to sponsor us, let's no free po- no free sponsorships. Yeah, <laughs> stop. Ooh, I'll say it. We'll give some um, anti sponsorships. <laughs> Fuck Alamo Draft House. Uh, yeah, Alamo Draft House garbage. Yeah, I, I just really enjoyed that scene, and then they kind of go on about you know the the town hates UT and. They love Texas Tech, and me and Dan right. were like, again, the only people who laughed at it exactly. because they if you're got not it. From, if you're not from Texas and you heard, hey, do you like the University of Texas? You would think, oh, I have to say yes because it's the university of that state. That's not how that works here. That's not, I was about to say here. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I, yeah. Look. I've been saying we the whole podcast. Exactly, right? <laughs> That's not how that works. And that, I, matter of fact, like it, what they didn't accurately represent too well is do you know how many Oklahoma fans there are in Texas? Weirdly, yeah, like a bunch of Boomer Sooners. Yeah, I guess just because they're neighbors. Like I don't, so they are you know from there. I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. But college football is a big deal. You can't just you know there at least. Um, so it's like you can't just say that. Yeah, you got the Texas Tech. You got Texas A and M. You got the University of Texas. It's it's a whole yeah. shit show. So and then everyone in the town recognizes him for the rest of the movie as the UT guy. The UT and guy. Like, You're the UT guy. And he's like, right. he's like, I don't watch football. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So like, as he's like kind of unfolding the story, you get to hear like interesting stories. I think the story of Sancholo actually was a really great story, and it was actually, it was kind of like heartfelt. Like I really like felt for this guy. Like when he sat down to talk with him, you know. And so especially because. I do know people who dealt with the thing that he dealt with, where he said that he wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter because of religious purposes. Yeah, as he, as he says, quote unquote, church stuff. Right. Which is such a good way of putting it. That's such a, it's a small line, but it, that's attention to detail because of church stuff. Right. It's like, yeah. yeah. And he ends up being the third person who says, what? Of course she wasn't on that shit. She wouldn't have even taken an Advil. Yeah. And like they say that like three times and I'm like, who the fuck doesn't take Advil? <laughs> Just take Advil. It's okay. Right. Uh, but yeah. So like they kind of like unfold and they, you know, they start to do the, all these interesting stories. Eventually they get to a point where they are, you know, talking to, he's talking to the law enforcement and they keep like, he keeps referring to 911. And of course they say, we don't call 911 Texas. And which, you know, more people have signs that say that than people who actually say that out loud in Texas. Right. <laughs> they, it's just like whatever. But, um, you know, I thought it was interesting because they were like, we don't have the police. We got Dale and Dan or whatever their names were. Yeah. This really representation of a small town, ta- small Texas town where everyone knows each other's name, even the, the two cops, you know, in town. Uh, yeah. It's which. And then, of course, oh, well, this is not in our jurisdiction. That's yeah. Them. And then. Well, it's not in our jurisdiction either because of the county line and this and that. That's the sheriff's. No, and it's also that's like, border patrol. No, that's highway patrol. It's just like, And then oh, you kind of realize like how many different branches of law enforcement there are in Texas. And it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, and the egos of each of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which, yeah. And I thought that was an interesting. Uh, like, I really liked the way they did that, too, because they didn't linger on that. Like, they made their points by just cutting in between those. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so. 
basically what you learn is that out by the oil rigs, you know, they're doing these, they're having these parties where um, people go out there and they drink and they, you know, do drugs and stuff like that. And they have an area called the after party is what they call it. And what that is, is that when someone is going to OD, they get taken to the after party, which is an area in which there's no cell service. And that's where the, you know, five different law enforcement offices jurisdiction overlaps. And so it's just like the perfect area to drop a dead body. And like the, the gimmick of the two cops that are actually like supposed to be in charge of that town is that they just say everything was an accident. They're like, yeah, someone, you know, gets shot and they're like, Oh, dang, he had a gun accident. Oh, exactly. car accident. But you know, it's like, okay, so they don't actually like, you know, do anything. Right. It's the less work for us, the better. Yeah, exactly. You know, or, or in, 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 in any chance I get, that's my, my jurisdiction. <laughs> that's someone, you know, whatever. So, you know, I thought that was a really interesting way to it, give us that information because, you know, we're learning it as he's learning it. And like I said at the beginning, like there, it's this movie is a little bit of murder mystery. Like it gets to that point. For because sure. Because at yeah. first you're like, OK, well, you know, he's doing this because they're like, oh, she OD'd. And then he's like, you know, I don't think that ha- <laughs> I don't think that happened. That's a murder. And so BJ Novak's character is like, I want to do a podcast about people and the way that they construct you know, conspiracy theories in their head and create their own realities and blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as he talks to the, the, you know, Mexican cartel drug dealer, he's like, oh, this might have actually been a murder. Like right. everyone is telling because him both stuff. sides that are blaming each other have this same sentiment. It was not an OD. <laughs> right. So, and yeah. I think that's the part where you that's get like, when it really, really does, engaged. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It blows it open. Like, as a viewer, you're like, oh shit. Like, because you're still skeptical and up until then. Yeah. Right? And you're thinking, I'm thinking about like, if I was listening to his podcast, I'd be like, oh shit. You know, like during that episode, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like, oh, like at first he was like, this is just a contract and whatever. And so I thought it was really, uh, like interesting, like that part of the movie, like that, like whole tonal shift. And then, you know, they start, you know, uh, like investigating the crime and as he's doing this, like I said, you know, he's spending more time with his family and he's getting to know them. And at one point he is like standing outside of like a, a convenience store is what it looks like. And uh, he's like on the phone with another more famous podcast than his saying that he's going to get this promotion and he's eating Frito pie, which <laughs> I, I love. I love right. people learning about Frito pie because I did not know for a very long time that that wasn't a normal thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I, uh, yeah, that this is, that was weird because I actually very recently, I think last year I had Michelle, she had never had it. Um, and what? I, never, she had That's never tra- had it. She had never had Frito Chili Pie. She had never heard of it even. And I was like, okay, we're for sure having that, um, tonight for dinner. And so I went to Trader Joe's to get like this vegetarian chili so that she could have Ooh, it. Wolf brand, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we went home and I made it for her. And now, we, now look in the, in the movie, they describe it as you open a bag of Fritos and you put chili in there and eat it. And I've leaned over to Dan and I said, and cheese. <laughs> right. And <laughs> for me, cheese. I do it. This is how I do it. I do Fritos, chili, cheese, sour cream, yeah. and jalapenos. That's and hot sauce. That's that's how I do it, right? I need to make my stomach as upset as possible, or else I ain't Frito Chili Pie. Now, now, yeah, what's I would say funny, that, that what's required of Frito Chili Pie is name brand Fritos, and you can't get the scoops. Right. Do not get the scoops. Exactly, you gotta get name brand Fritos, 
and it has to have chili and it has to have cheese. Everything else that you want to add to it, it's still Frito chili pie, but it has to have those elements of it. And if you rip the bag open, sure, you can do that. When you make it at home, you don't really do that. We, right. I've we always... used to go to a church that would pick us up on a bus and take us to and from the church every Sunday. And we were like real little at that time. And they would serve us Frito chili pie and like styrofoam cups. Right. Like that's right. how integral it was that's to what the I culture. Was, that's what I was going to say is that's what I've always associated it with. So that that that's where the story kind of comes to a head because I was like – I can't believe you never had Frito chili pie. You've never, and I'm like, you know, I'm just treating her like, what? You ain't never done this. You got to do it. It's this and that. And I've never questioned Frito chili pie, but she was like, okay, this is pretty good. Why is it called a pie? Right. And so the (laughs) first time that I learned, the first time that I learned as an adult that not everyone eats Frito chili pie is when Babish did an episode of Frito chili pie as reference to King of the Hill. And he puts it in a pie dish and puts the chili on top and then cheese and then Fritos and then chili and then cheese and then bakes it. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I just immediately commented and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Right, and then on this? the next episode, he's like, I'm sorry. And like yeah. everyone lit his ass up because we were like, it's not a real pie. Exactly. Dumbass. That's what's funny about it. It's like he he's making it as it sounds like it should be made why is it called a pie right if it's more like a stew <laughs> you know or a, it's, it's it's i mean to be fair it's essentially a bowl right yeah but it's but i guess i guess that's why it was funny she asked that and i was like oh shit i don't know i've never questioned the name frito chili pie i really haven't it's you're just, like shut up and eat <laughs> but i did think i was like well i guess i associate it i i've always associated it with a little styrofoam bowl and that bowl is a little bit in the shape of a pie dish. So I was like, maybe mm. something's there, but it but was just but was it's funny. Not uncommon. It was funny that I was like, you ain't never had this. You, you got to have this. And she's like, well, why is it called this? And I'm like, you know what? That is kind of dumb. Yeah. Like when you're on a road trip, <laughs> you actually will do what he does in the movie, which is you right. know, rip the bag open. And then you go to the convenience store, chili dispenser. That's for hot dogs. And you, you know, put it on that. And so I just thought it was like, yeah, I mean, like, I, I have not done it the way he does it in the movie, you know, in a long time. And so it's just like interesting to me, like he's talking about it and like, yeah, anyways. But in that same scene, his, his, then his car blows up. <laughs> it's like, what? And the? before we get to another thing about Frito Chili Pie, I'm, okay, I'm yeah. just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and tune in next week where we're going to talk about our favorite Frito Chili Pie recipes. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to start another podcast about food. Um, but anyways, yeah, so that was interesting. His car blows up. He goes to the hospital. You know, the family is there to see him. And he's like kind of realizing that these people are actually there for him, like for the first time in his life. Oh, yeah. And I love that. I love that moment. I love that, too. And and oh, my gosh. In this scene, in this scene is the was the most like sounding Texas thing that happened. And I'm not even going to let Daniel do it because the grandma snaps at this man <laughs> and she goes. She goes, so uh, the, set it up a little bit. So the brother, what was he doing? Oh yeah. The brother, the brother goes, fuck. Okay. The brother curses. Yeah. The brother curses in front of the grandma. The grandma says, Tyler Clayton. (laughs) (laughs) She drops that first middle name. Dude, she dropped that hoe so hard. I was looking over my damn shoulder. My name ain't even Tyler. Again, hilarious because this is a grown man. So he he can curse if he wants to. And he was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's a man who has a gun on his hip. That's all fine. That's all fine and dandy, as we would say in Texas. It's all fine and dandy, but you said fuck. 
Tyler Clayton. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, I don't know. I thought it was so perfect, though. I was just like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, this is, like, that was such an accurate snap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. It was killing me. I, I had tensed up a little bit. Yeah. I was, oh, I must have done something. Yeah. Like, I was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that happens. And, you know, so the movie goes on. And, basically, towards the end of the movie, what ends up happening is you won't believe it, guys. You won't believe it. Everyone said that she wouldn't even take a damn Advil. But then Grandma's like, yeah, she's a huge fucking pill popper. And, right. <laughs> and, and BJ Noah was like, what? Yes. And this is, so this is where the movie kind of lost the charm it's a little bit for me. Because I it reminded me of It. I remember seeing It and thinking, just seeing right through the screen to the structure of what a script is supposed to be. And it, it felt a little, it took me out of the movie a little bit because I was like, oh, okay, well, we have to have the part where everyone turns on each other, right? So it just, right. it felt a little, you know, forced, but it also, like, it gave a good chance. The breakup of this, of this family setting that they, you know, they had just said, like, do you have family in Texas? He says, no. And they say, well, you do now. And it's like, oh, like, that's, you know, that's that redeeming quality of some of the Southern, uh, hospitality, you know, kind of vibes that we know and we love. Right. And so, that's, and that's something that we very much identify with in, in terms oh yeah. of, in terms like part you, of you that get culture that stamp. Is, it's permanent ink. It's, it's yeah. yeah, it's, and so that is definitely something that. that we, you know, we relate to and that we, we experience and that we, you know, try to still embody even today. Yeah. It just, that was such a good representation of it. And I, I think that the, the breakup, you know, happening in this movie, Right after that, it gives a good chance for the character to just kind of get some shit off his chest about, you know what, Texas sucks because of this. Or you, you know, you Texan people suck because of this. Yeah. And the whole movie is kind of like, you know, almost like a like a love letter to Texas in a way, because it's showing all of the positive sides and like this, the goofy sides. And some of it's like, you know, it's caricature, like when he's like talking about the gun and he's like, he's like, you have a gun. He's like, yeah, uh, you know, uh, phone, wallet, keys, gun. It's like, you know, it's okay. We get it. Like so much a part of the culture. And like the family's like, well, we're not really a gun family. We only have a couple of rifles for hunting and a couple of handguns (laughs) for defense. Exactly. You know, two or three shotguns for, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, there's a little bit of like caricature in that, but at the same time, it's like, we all know that there are parts of Texas that suck. You know what I'm saying? There are aspects of it that are not, you know, widely accepted. Exactly. And so this was like the opportunity for him to like yell at them. And he's like, you know, who would have been for you, there for you if your car blew up in Brooklyn? And he's like, first of all, if I was in Brooklyn, I wouldn't need a car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great line. Yeah. It's like, again, it, it flips that script, right? He doesn't know that they lost the Alamo. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't know this simple stuff. Well, they don't know that you don't need a car in Brooklyn. You know, you walk in New York, right? So it's like, yeah, it, it flips that script and, and, and justfully not just out of nowhere. It's like, okay, this is, I, I can work with this. So even though the, like I said, the, the obvious script of, okay, well we have to have them break up so that they can eventually come back together at some point, you know, that is so overdone and and whatever, but to some degree necessary, right? There, a story has to be a story. Um, yeah, and I mean that that yeah. scene does have what I think is the most underrated line in the whole movie, which is, you know, he's like yelling at him. He's like, "You people!" And then like the alt, like the alt sister, you know, the one who's like a little bit goth or whatever, mm-hmm. is like, 
she's like, you people and uh, is you know not appropriate or whatever. And she's and he's like, well then y'all. And she's like, that's cultural appropriation. And he goes, you you accusing people of cultural appropriation is cultural appropriation. <laughs> like you are not a West Coast elitist. Exactly. Like, this know? is this is matter of fact. This is actually bringing up a, 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 a thought in my head where I'm like. This the writing was so strong at points in this movie in the exact way that Don't Look Up was trying to be. Like Don't Look Up was trying so hard to comment on today's America and but it was so flat and shallow and caricature and the moments and literally like just that, an exact mirror of, of right of everything instead of a metaphorical representation or exactly. it was an exact mirror and and not and trying to be a, a, a mirror, but a lesser mirror. It was, dude, real life is, is actually crazier than what you're trying to, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's actually even more evil and crazy and out there than you're doing in the movie. So, but anyways, I'm what I'm saying is like this, this movie accomplished what that movie failed to do a lot. It just, it took shots at today's way of thinking and held a mirror up to it a little bit. And that line is a great representation of that. It was, do you understand that you, you know, West Texas gun-toting girl, right, saying that I'm a cultural appropriator, you're trying to act like you are a SoCal feminist activist. You are appropriating their culture, right? So it's like, I love that. It's... it's again, it's, it's a great line and for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And as someone who's from Texas, let me tell y'all, uh, y'all is not a cultural appropriation. It sure is. You not. guys are all welcome to use y'all. In 100%. Fact, all y'all. I, I y'all is think- the perfect word. Everyone should be using it. And as a Texan, I hereby, um, invite everyone in the world to use that phrase as often as they want. Agree. And I think ra- uh, rap music has done a great job of incorporating that to the mainstream. It rolls off the tongue easily. It's short and concise. It's perfect. So, yeah, let's say y'all. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, um, the BJ Novak gets the pa- finally gets the password to the girl's phone. Um, and so this is like after the breakup and he goes onto her phone and he finds out that she's been texting someone in her phone with his name in the phone. And they show a couple of messages. This was a really good example of show, don't tell, um, you know, whatever. And so he sees messages where basically she says, like, my family can't know about us. Like, it, like no one can know about us. And they don't think that I'm talking to you. And they're like, who do you think, who do they think you're talking to? He's like, some guy I hooked up with in New York. Like, then you realize, oh, that's why the family thinks that, you know, he's, she's like obsessed with him specifically. Exactly. And like, you know, all this stuff. So it's like, okay, so now all the, you know, all, everything's coming together for him and for the audience. And then he realizes that, that her last messages were, where are you, where did you go? Why'd you leave me? Why did you leave me like this? And so, and they didn't get sent, right? I also love, I also love what this does to his, for his ego, right? Cause he only had an idea of who this Abby girl was and thought that she was just obsessed with him cause he was a hotshot writer from New York. And yeah. so she made it out to be more yeah. than it was. But no, it turns out she looked at him the same way he looked at her. He was just some guy I hooked up with. I don't give a shit. Right. I love yeah. that. It was such a good moment. It was a good turning moment. And it also for the audience gives you a bigger picture of who this Abby girl was. Yeah, she's not an idiot. Right. She's not, not at like, all. Like, yeah. Because like that's the whole time. Is like the whole time you're watching the movie, you're like, man, this girl was really dumb. 
Like, I can't believe that she would actually think that this guy was, like, really into or whatever. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of disappointing. But, like, yeah, so I, I like that part of it. And, you know, he goes to the party and it turns out, spoiler alert, Ashton Kutcher, the fucking douchebag. Can you believe that the biggest name on the casting had a bigger role than anticipated? Can you believe that the one character who they talked to for a little bit that you kind of liked was the actual murderer and the bad guy at the end? <laughs> oh, my God. I thought that him being the guy was like, oh, my. As soon as we knew, like, oh, there was we a look, Yeah, me and Dave look at, looked at each other, like, at the exact same Yeah, we were like, oh, yeah, it's Ashton Kutcher. Oh, it's Ashton yeah. And, okay, so this is a good time to bring this up. So we're getting into the finale, right, where you find out who the murderer is and all this stuff. Well, how do you find that out? He's not a murderer. He's a drug dealer. Who gives them the gun to then fire? You know, right? Uh, metaphorically, he gives them the gun and says, "Here, shoot yourself." <laughs> so, which by is the way, murder, his, you know, uh, the his, same way that Jigsaw is not a murderer, right? <laughs> yeah, his um, his business model is horrible. He's like, "Let's just let them take as much as they want until they die." Well, then they're never going to come back and buy any more fucking drugs from you, dumbass. That's true. Yeah. Like, what are you I, doing? But yeah, I guess what I was going to say is like, I hate the way that this unfolded. I hate it. I've seen it in other movies and TV as well, where the bad guy just goes, hey, I did it. Come yeah. with come with me. I'll, I, there's no reason for him to tell him this information at all. At right. all. He Because remember, like, BJ Novak's character is not even suspecting him. Right. He's not. He just goes to this party hoping to find someone that is who she was talking to. He doesn't know. Right. And so... But conveniently, Ashton Kutcher is like, here, come with me. Hey, I'm the bad guy. I've been doing this. Let me give you a whole spiel and a villain speech, and which was pretty good. There was some good, you know, kind of subtext and yeah. commentary in there. But again, but it's also but, very much like this was so scripted and written. Yes. Like, and no it, one it talks just, like this. It, yeah, know. it felt like they couldn't figure out a better transition into the reveal. So it was just, here, I'll just tell you. But then at the same time, he also kind of redeems that because he's also like, this is for your podcast. You got the bad guy. But, the, right. but then, of course, he, you which know, is he, a power move a little bit. It's it is a power move and it is another commentary. And uh, I actually think a just a, a just one and an accurate one of, you know, there's going to be people that are actually rooting for me. Right. Yeah. because <laughs> like, he's so, like That's so true. He's like, because I legally did not murder her. Yeah. Exactly. He's going to now find an audience. And yeah. It's a few of supporters that and people will, are going to back him. And uh -huh. also, and so, and then of course the movie ends with BJ Novak's character using the, like it was required uh, to show up to the yep. game, to the party with a gun and he takes the brother's gun to do it. And he just fucking pulls the gun out and shoots him. That I loved. Although I was like shocked. I was like, oh, what the fuck that just I loved. happened? Yep. Because it was, that he is officially completely bought into the West Texas culture, right? He, at least in this movie, he uh, gets his vengeance, yeah, baby. They say we don't call nine one one. We do. We get vengeance, right? So it's like he. I liked that. He, it was especially because he showed such a weak move, where which you see coming from a mile, mile away, away. Which is oh, I wasn't recording on my podcast thing, but I was recording my on my phone, phone. in my pot. But and he does the very genius move that everyone should do when talking to a murderer and says, by the way, here's the evidence Check. to put you away. Checkmate, yeah. baby. Check this out. Instead of just walking away. Just walk the fuck right. away. I hate that. Like, let me show you that I have been recording you the whole time. Ha -ha. Yeah. Gotcha, Don't you He's love like that when uh, someone uh, goes, hey, I am wearing a wire. 
<laughs> right? It's like, yeah, it's no one does that. It's like, that is the opposite of what you're supposed to do. It's just such bad, like, trope. It's a bad trope at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's why it was redeeming as a him going, you know what? Fuck. Bam. <laughs> just, yeah. Fuck it. Shit, you know, you, you're talking shit. You're, you're a piece of shit human being, right? Bam. Like, they're done. Like, yeah. that's, that's it. Story wrapped up, vengeance gotten, right? And then, okay, let's, as we've learned, let's take him to the area of four different jurisdictions so that this can just be done and over with. And then the later the cops get the ape, the, the story and that, you know, so-and-so has been shot. And he's like, oh, I didn't know that guy was accident prone. Like, he just immediately. Exactly, right? Because they've said it must have been an accident. Right. And so, yeah. And then, of course, um, at the very end of the movie, they, there's another thing. Like, so this party, everyone goes and drinks and does drugs and all that shit. And they keep saying throughout the movie, everyone goes, but no one was there. Oh, I didn't, oh, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Oh, who goes to these parties? Literally everyone in the whole town. And so at the very end of the movie, you know, the mom is there. And, and like, I think the mom's like not wearing makeup and also like she looks very natural. And, you know, I think she's kind of like, you know, done putting on this like facade after the breakup. You know what I'm saying? And so she's like, I heard the you know party last night was very interesting. And BJ Novak's character is like, I wasn't there. And she's like, you're right. You weren't. He said, but I did hear it was interesting. So, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about like the actual last scene, the whole no regrets uh, monologue? Yeah, honestly, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. and It was pretty good because, you know, like like, OK, so our mom is is from Texas and, and this sounded like something she would say. You know, that's why I kind of liked it. He was like, no regrets. And she's like. I don't get that. She's like, I start every day with regrets and then I move from one regret to the next regret while regretting everything in between. You know, and I'm just like, right. Yeah. It was a, it was a, um, a honest. realistic viewpoint, an honest, realistic, transparent viewpoint of going, you know what? No, that's bullshit. Um, and yeah, you know what? I didn't think of it like that. I didn't think about our mom, but that is true. You know, it would be delivered a little differently <laughs> for yeah. sure. It'd be like, honestly, a, a mother is a great, uh, a great person to mouthpiece for that. Yeah, loud. exactly. Yeah, because yeah. you know, mothers have to see the real world. Right. And so, um, so that's fair, but I, I just feel like this ending monologue did what he was doing in the movie where it felt like it was kind of chasing its own tail, tail a little bit and not really getting to much of a point. And then it's just, okay. And it says vengeance movies over. Right. Um, so I don't know. It just I, I, I would be curious to see either a different monologue that kind of explores the idea of no regrets a little bit further and maybe incorporating the main character's perspective on that or how it relates to him more so than her and the family or just a different ending altogether. Yeah. And I wish he would have released the podcast instead of deleting it like he does. Oh, yeah. He Which, did, by the yeah, way, when he did that, everything. I was like, yeah, no fucking way they weren't saving those files and backing them up. Right, right. There's no way they were just like, yeah, we're just going to edit straight <laughs> off your cloud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking dumbass. Yeah. Like, she literally has Spotify pulled up. Like, she, like, already is, like, ready to publish it. I'm like, right. it's already been edited. Which was a which was a callback to the uh, the producer's, the producer's sh- speech at the record studio saying, do you actually listen to music you like, or you just you're looking for an algorithm that feeds it back to you? And so when it cuts to Issa Rae's character, she's on Discover Weekly, which is exactly what that is. It's exactly yeah. what he was talking about. And so I thought that was a, kind of a cool uh, moment. Yeah, uh, little Easter egg. But yeah. So uh, last week we did two favorite things, two least favorite things. This week I'm just gonna do one of each. Um, so my f- least favorite thing in the movie. 
was actually there's a scene in the movie where BJ Novak is, you know, sorry, Ben, whatever the fuck is, that, <laughs> uh, is experiencing a Texas sunset for the first time. And he's trying to like give this like speech or whatever, but like the, the, the sky is like, blah, 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 blah. This is fucking beautiful. You know, whatever. Yeah. He's trying to be poetic yeah. about a, trying to de- poetically describe a Texas sunset, but then it gets, finds himself living in the moment and going, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to dress it up. That this Texas sky is fucking beautiful. Right. <laughs> but here's the, here's why it's my least favorite part of the movie, because then they cut to the most unimpressive Texas sunset I've ever seen. And I was right. like, I was like literally six out of the seven days of the week, you could find a better sunset than what you put in the movie. It's like, yeah, it just goes straight to Daniel's point that he was making about like, this was a writer's movie. And then like, there wasn't a lot of like impressive filmmaking, yeah. uh, f- filmmaking impressive cinematography or anything like that. And so like they cut, like they have this opportunity to show the beautiful Texas sunsets, which are beautiful. And they're very well known for that. And it's just so mid. I'm like, oh my god, you're fucking kidding! Like, what a bad representation. Yeah, that was. I agree, actually. Um, I, I, I remember seeing some of those shots of the sky in um, "There Will Be Blood." Yeah. Also filmed. I don't know if if Vengeance was filmed on location in Texas. It definitely. If it wasn't, they did a fantastic job. Um, because they even mentioned Marfa, which is where they filmed There Will Be Blood, and you do see some Texas sunsets, not only that are so beautiful and well-filmed by Paul Thomas Anderson, but it's they're also, in that movie, used a little bit broodingly, like that give you like this sense of um, unnerve, you know? So I, I liked what they did with that. Um, that's a filmmaker's shot of Texas now Sky, that's right? a filmmaker's movie, yeah. okay? Um, that stupid fucking right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, but yeah, I, I, yeah, that was my least favorite part. My favorite part, oh, man, for all of our listeners out in Texas, go get some damn Whataburger for us, <laughs> all right? We're about an hour and 52 minutes from the closest Whataburger. Um, but they, uh, they have a scene where he's trying to say, Tell me about what you love about where you live. And everyone goes, Whataburger. And they're like, he's like, okay, so what makes it great? He's like, it's the best. And, and like, he's like, he's like, so what, what do you love about it? And they're like, it's always there. And he's like, okay, so if all of the you know fast food joints are lined up and there's also a Whataburger there, which one do you go to? And they're like, Whataburger. And he's like, why? And he's like, because it's right there. Right. And it's like, I started laughing. And it's like, I'm laughing because I get what the, the point that they're trying to make, which is, we are just going to go to Whataburger because Whataburger is always there. It's 24 hours. Exactly. That's it's in, the, jo- the joint. Yeah. But there are good arguments for Whataburger over other fast food joints. Okay. All right. There are arguments for Whataburger over McDonald's. Better food, better variety, better vibe, good customer service, like all these different things. But it's like, you don't, but then the guy stops him and he's like, why do I have to tell you why I love it? You know, so I'm like, oh, okay, they redeem it in that moment. They do. But yeah. yeah. He's like, he's like, why do you love your dog? Like, you know what I'm saying? Or anything. It's like, yeah, that's true. It's like, like, Am I going to have a much, much better experience at Whataburger than McDonald's? Probably not, like, significantly, but I love Whataburger. <laughs> it's, you know, it's the vibe, you know? Yeah, that, that's actually, it was a great way to, uh, yeah, like you said, to to explain, to redeem that, right? It was, why do you love your dog? Think about someone actually asking you that. Why do you love your dog? Are you going to go... Well, so on Wednesdays, he usually does this thing. No, you're going to go, what do you mean? Because he's my dog. 
Like that's a perfect way to describe it. Right. It's, and it is, it's like, what a burger is just ingrained to Texas culture. You grow up with it. You know, I, I remember my first time ever hearing it and I have a very distinct memory of being in the car and, uh, in Greenville going down Joe Ramsey and passing the Whataburger. And I remember saying, why is it called water burger? Do they, do they put water on your burgers? And, uh, yeah. mom was laughing. I remember mom was laughing, thinking it was so funny that I asked that. And, I thought it was water burger for years. Too. Right. And in the movie, they pronounce it water burger. They do say it like that. So it's right. just, again, so, like, another cause, thing that cause was people, very accurate to what it was like growing up. And like, what's interesting is like, I don't, because we've spent so long in like more urban areas, I forget about how much of the time that we, you know, lived in, in, you know, rural areas, more, more rural areas, you know what I'm saying? Not entirely. We, we never lived in West Texas, but yeah, I mean, we, we spent a decade calling our mother mama. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? like that's how we spoke and stuff like that. So like overall, there's a lot of things in the movie that I can relate to. You know, I've said to people out here in Colorado that I am not ashamed of any part of me that loves or participates in Southern culture. That's not the reason why I left Texas. So there are things in the movie that they talk about or that they depict that I'm like, yeah, I can relate to that. And I can remember my experiences with that fondly. All right, Daniel. So let's move on to you. One, one favorite thing, one least favorite thing. Uh, my least favorite thing was for sure the opening. I already did enough ranting about it. Um, I just thought it was so out of tune with the rest of the movie. It left a sour like taste to start a movie. It was just the wrong foot to get on. Um, my favorite part of the movie, I actually, the character of Abby is kind of thin because she's not in the movie and you only get to know about her as much as is as the information given to you about her is, and there's not a lot. Right. Um, but my favorite part of like one of my favorite parts of the movie was a line that really made me feel so sad. Um, and it was the brother giving a tour to BJ and going, here you go. Here's, here's where you're going to stay. And it was in Abby's room. And he kind of looks over at the little board in her room with all the pictures that she has, uh, pinned to it. And he kind of puts his hand on it and he says, I guess we have a guest room now. Yeah. It just I was felt that. That line cut through my heart really hard. Even though it was so early in the movie and we didn't really understand her or even the brother for that matter, it still was like, ouch. Like you felt him. You ouch. Know. Yeah. It just, you felt it. It was, and I think that this movie succeeded so well in the, that, that uh, aspect, these one off lines they wouldn't have been as real and deep and effective if written by a worse writer. I feel like I, I don't think they would have cared too much about that line. It would have been, well, this is her old room, right? That's not the best way to to really effectively express the grieve the grieving process, right? It was an actual realization. I guess we have a guest room now. It was so sad to me. Yeah, the, it was the it was yeah. the blindside bed scene. Yeah, on the flip, yeah. like it, on the flip side, like comedically, there was a pa again a, just a pass a passing line that was that so funny and effective at uh, describing what this Texas viewpoint is like, and it was them talking about the rodeo. They said everyone goes to the rodeo, like everybody. 
the whites, the Mexicans. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. It was a passing line where it just kind of was a little throw off, but I was like, boom, that's exactly. They think that, look how inclusive we are. We got everybody. We got the whites, the Mexicans, and that's it. Like they, they, <laughs> right. they think that's in- inclusivity, right? It's like, yeah. So just again, this, this movie really did shine on those little lines. It wasn't even the big ones that held as much of an impact for me as the small ones that paid enough attention to the detail to effectively communicate what it was trying to communicate. I loved that. I loved uh, that aspect of it. Right. So um, we're going to pause now and we're going to move on to the second part of our podcast where we're going to take a deep dive onto the internet and see what other people have said about this movie, um, what they think about it. And we are going to be right back. All right, so we're back for part two. We've taken a look at the internet, and, you know, it's interesting because there's one item listed on the IMDb trivia, and that is that this is BJ Novak's first movie, and he wrote it and directed it. And starred in it. We found a lot of cool and interesting things on Reddit. The first thing that I do want to talk about is that BJ Novak actually did an AMA to promote the movie, um, and Daniel saved a few comments from that. Yeah, um, so the one I saved from the uh, AMA uh, is... Someone uh, that said, uh, thank you, let's see, cut all this, cut all this. Okay. Um, That was a really good comment. Thank you, Dana. We really appreciate that. So, Someone in the AMA uh, that BJ Novak did, they said, I just wanted to say that I saw your movie last night at an awful theater. Boo, boycott Alamo Draft House. (laughs) And that I loved it. I'm Texas born and I'm Texas raised. And even though West Texas has a different culture than where I'm from, this movie did still feel like a love letter to Texas in many ways. So keep up the great work and I hope to see more from you. Um, And then someone replied and said that they uh, had heard him talk in an interview on NPR. And he said that he was worried about Texas and Texans accepting him. But he was very happy to find out that they were uh, very welcoming. So that was kind of cool to hear, um, especially because we said the same thing. Like it felt like a love letter to Texas in some ways. It was very um, it poked enough fun while also being heartfelt, being heartfelt. So it wasn't just like, look at this piece of shit. Um, right. Yeah. Um, in terms of people talking about the movie, there were some sentiments that r- rang with exactly what we said, which is why it's fun to go in these threads and kind of see other people sharing the same thoughts and ideas you had. Um, this one, I definitely agree with. We had kind of alluded to it a little bit, but it said, I thought that this was a really sharp, funny and insightful movie, but Novak directing it hurt him a lot. It was serviceable direction, but completely flavorless. A good director could have brought a visual identity to this and made it a really great film. I think that the climax was especially hurt by this. The fireworks, the American flag tent, the rising tension with the monologues, but no interesting compositions or sequences to speak of. Movies need images. It was a great script, though, and a fantastic cast. Uh, I agree, yeah. Imagine giving this exact script and idea and everything to an actual film director. It would have really popped. Um, but also, like, it's his first movie, yeah. right? It's like, so, okay, the next one should be and look better. Yeah. Nope. Looks so much better than Get Outlooked. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. Like get get out the hundred percent. Vengeance. Um, get out had that sequence when he went into that kind of state when she, you know when she hypnotizes him. That was really cool looking, and that's about it. Everything else is just over the shoulders and very it's basic. Mid. You know, very basic. Um, but look at Nope, his third movie, and it is clearly is taking a lot more pride in making a really beautiful looking movie. And I think that, yeah, okay, you learn from this, right? So BJ Novak either can go, oh, okay, I, I need to do better at actual composition, or he can go, maybe I won't direct my next movie or whatever. Right. So, yeah. I mean, he did say that, um, you know, the next, like if there was one person that he's worked with in the past that he could work with again in the AMA, he said Quentin Tarantino, you know, I think that that just kind of shows like he does have a respect for directing and, you know, a, like, like, like the post said, it's serviceable. It's not anything, you know, to write home about. Exactly. Yeah. Except that we would quite literally write home about this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and on, on that note, the last uh, one I wanted to bring up, someone said that the most unrealistic thing in this movie is that Ben has perfect cell reception in the middle of nowhere, Texas at all times. Like I had brought up. Yeah. So again, <laughs> this is definitely another Texan who is like, look, bro. No way. You did pretty um, well. Yeah. But this, you flaws. And, uh, yeah. And someone. Little not going to. Yeah. Yeah. And someone said, uh, points, points for dead on Texas family representation from the house full of Hobby Lobby clutter. Bless your heart. The sisters who are like best friends to the young, to the youngest daughter insulting and defending Texas in the same breath. It's perfect, and it leaned into some cliches for sure, but it never felt too exploitive or mocking. Or ex- exploitative? Exploitive? Exploitative. Uh, or mocking, um, which is true. That's what Join we said. Join next week where Daniel learns how to read. Hopefully. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Guys, I'm from Texas. I mentioned that, right? <laughs> we can say that. We can say that. We can Don't say come that. at us. We can say that. Um, yeah. So what I did differently this time around is that I sorted the comments by controversial. Uh, so, uh, hopefully to, hoping to find some things that not everybody was saying the same thing. Um, so one of the first things I saw that I thought was interesting was someone said, there's no mention of the father and the family at the, at all. He's not around. It's not mentioned. I mean, they did say that they did say that there was a, um, a memorial flag in the house. So maybe that was like for the father. Um, but they never explicitly stated or, or, or mentioned it at all, which I think is interesting. And then another person said, I quite enjoyed it, but every time that lady on the phone would give expert analysis and quotes on podcasts and themes, I couldn't help but to roll my eyes. Is this movie making fun of podcasts? <laughs> I really enjoyed that because it is like interesting to think about, you know, a, a New York writer in this day and age whose goal is to be a podcaster. Like they don't want to be published in this thing or that thing. They want their own podcast, which I think was very interesting. And it was a little bit satirical. Like, like when she walks into the the podcast you know, studio, Daniel referred to it as a podcast factory, which is like, make content, make content, make content. Yeah. You know? And just like, yeah. we fucking get it. And it's like, yeah, we're not exactly helping um, in that situation. There are too many podcasts out there. So we've officially decided that this is the last podcast. No one else <laughs> is allowed to make a podcast after this one. So sorry, this one's it. We're done. Uh, <laughs> and so for me, um, I'm going to give this movie a solid 5 out of 10. I think that it is exactly half good. The writing and the acting are good. The lighting and cinematography need work. <laughs> and so... 
Um, you know, it's not a bad movie by any means. I mean, of course, my ratings are, are you know, pretty, you know, they vary on different you know, aspects you know. and things. You know, you know, you know, you know. Um, and here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah, I said it. Um, here's the thing. My ratings, when I tell them to other people, they're like, wow, you're really harsh. You must have hated that movie. Five out of ten. I'm like, no, five out of ten is a good movie. Serviceable movie. Enjoyed it. It did not blow my mind. And it's not a movie I'm like, oh, I gotta buy this on DVD the second that I come. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't amazing. But I enjoyed it and I had a good time. Yeah, uh, if I had to give it a rating, I would have to change my I would change have to change my nope rating. I think I rated nope too high. Um too late. Again, just based on how much I enjoyed it. You have to calculate that into um yeah, the film was well made or whatever. It's how much did you get out of it? And so I would say that I, I gave Nope a 6.4. I think I would have to lower that to like a six, maybe even a f- below a six. Um, and then this movie would be like, I would say a 6.3. Um, so you like this one more than Nope? I did like this movie more than Nope. Yep. I actually want to hear some opinions about this movie from non-Texans. I would love to see like, what they thought of it, right? Um, That's true. I we could have just asked other people in the theater, hey, did you guys, what'd y'all think? Maybe, y'all didn't yeah. laugh at anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So without that perspective, who knows what the movie would be like for me. I do, but I do agree. I think it was, I think the movie had so much potential. I think that's why I enjoyed it. I think it was a great stepping stone and I hope that he does make something else um, and either directs it better or have, fight, get, hires a director for it. And either way, I'm definitely going to see anything that he makes again, because I, I do think it had a lot of potential and, and hit a lot of notes that I appreciated. Yeah, agreed. We, we chose this movie based solely on the fact that it was BJ Novak's first movie, writing and directing. And the next yeah. time that he puts out a movie, we will go see it solely based on the fact that he made it. So exactly. I mean, know, check out the movie. Let us know what you think. You can get involved in the conversation on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at Wild Dream Pod. Um, and we are going to see you guys next week.